All right, hi, welcome to uh, another edition of our annual Oscar cast uh, for movie film. I'm Soren Howe, and with me is Josh Rosenfield. Uh, and we're going to be talking about uh, the Oscars this year and uh, sort of what happened and, and sort of a little bit of a recap. Do you, uh, do you, wanna, do you have any thoughts to start us off? Um, it's funny, I was listening to our podcast from last year and we talked about how there was a, a widespread of winners there was no real like one film yeah. that dominated it's the opposite this year absolutely yeah yeah it fe um, feels like every every award went to either uh, gravity or 12 years a slave yeah all the major ones at least definitely mm. and um it was a it was a classic uh domination of the one film will get all the technical awards and then the other film will get like the really big awards so right. it was it was a very i think it was a kind of a quintessential oscar you know ceremony when you think of the kind of uh, the way that the oscars usually go this is the kind of thing you usually think of it was pretty standard yeah no absolutely i think that pretty much describes the whole event um i so um we can get into this a little bit later but just going from last year where we had seth MacFarlane, who was sort of an out of left field um host and then um including Ellen DeGeneres and as as the new host is is sort of like a, a, a step in in the the direction of sort of the more normal um, yeah. on the part of the uh, the Academy and then also um, the fact that Twelve Years a Slave won sort of a standard choice uh, as far as I was concerned I wasn't expecting uh, anything else um, from the moment I I heard Twelve Years a Slave was a good movie <laughs> so uh, yeah yeah it's funny that was I was. You're right. Twelve Years a Slave was absolutely the favorite, and because of that, I was expecting that there would be an upset. Because really? I feel like in recent years, um, especially, you I, you kind of have to account for these kind of random surprises that there's no real reason to expect. Right. Um, so I was definitely when I was going in with my predictions for what was going to win. I had the thought of that American Hustle was really gonna um, be be dominant in a lot of these categories, and it it wasn't. It Not won, even close. <laughs> ten nominations and zero wins. But um, and I think the the most surprising thing about the Oscars this year really is how not surprising they were. It was very much like, all right, all these awards are going to go to Gravity, and or the two of them are going to go to the great gatsby because that's what the great gatsby did well right um and then the the big ones are going to go to uh 12 years a slave it was very there was there were no like big reversals in what people expected i feel like all the any everything you would predict to happen would ha happen there were one or two upsets the biggest one i guess was the best animated short film yeah, I think everyone expected the Disney one to win, and Absolutely. this one that I hadn't even heard of it won. Yeah, yeah, Monsieur Hublot. Um, I ha I haven't seen it either, but um, uh, I know when we were watching the uh, the the live broadcast, uh, someone I was with said that the um, that was that looked like the most interesting of the of the short films. I agree. Yeah, yeah. Um, in terms of animation, and then uh, I know Ari, uh, one of our other writers, said uh, it was easily the best that he had seen he said it had a perfect story arc and he really really enjoyed it so um yeah i mean I, i'm happy it went to something that we weren't expecting uh especially since <clears throat> last year we sort of expected to go to paperman and i was really underwhelmed with that film i was so well, yeah so i i'm i'm glad it went to some i i look forward to watching it now that uh now that it's won um and i'm happy to be honest i'm happy that get a horse didn't win because i i enjoyed it uh, but I felt like it was. Um, did you happen to see it in front of Frozen? I did, yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I felt like, and this, this is probably the the weird academic side of me coming out. But um, I wrote a very long essay about how Mickey operates in in an animated world and and what he's his sort of role is as a character. And mm -hmm. I, while Get a Horse feels like it looks like an old one of those old shorts, it sort of misses the mark in terms of what was a, like we're running themes um the biggest of which being mickey's um sort of manipulation of the world into his own uh sort of uh sandbox where he's almost like a human character almost like the animator themselves turning animals and characters into um sort of his own little vehicles to do whatever he he, he needs them to do uh he does them plain crazy he does it in 
uh, Steamboat Willie. He does them a lot of the old shorts that it was referring to, and I didn't feel that it was really uh, that that point was emphasized in this short. But it, it was cute. I was just worried that the nostalgia factor or the pseudo nostalgia factor, since it didn't even look really old in terms of the animation, um, yeah. would would win out. But it looks like uh, looks like the Academy chose otherwise, which is I think really great. Yeah, I think with that short, they were definitely trying to have it both ways with regards to having the nostalgia factor, but also trying to kind of update it for the, and have this more uh, modern sense of humor. And I think that's what ultimately sunk them, is that they couldn't do that and please both sides simultaneously, both audiences. And I think when if you look at that expecting one of those things, you're really not getting it. You're kind of getting a compromise between them. And I agree, the short, it, it's cute, but it really, it doesn't work in the way that they probably intended it to. Mm-hmm. And I guess the Academy agreed. Yeah, exactly. I, that's that's what I felt. It sort of it couldn't reconcile those two those two ideas, and not. But I think that it wasn't really. It wasn't so much the incompatibility. It was that I think that I actually quite. I thought the the play with three D and the three D realm was cute. Um, I my problem with it was actually the the supposedly nostalgic first half. That it's not that it didn't gel for me. It was more that the first half didn't really feel like one of those old shorts. I mean, making it black and white and making it 2d doesn't suddenly make it old you know there's a lot more that went into those old um pieces than that uh and yet and yet what's funny to me is they spent so much time getting the voice i don't know if you know this but they actually used old recordings of walt disney to piece together mickey's voice so they could do the original mickey voice i had heard that yeah it's interesting which is a lot of effort to put into a short and then for me to not get the rest of the short right now. I thought it was kind of an odd choice. But. Yeah, it was kind of, they were clearly playing up, playing for the animated short category, I think. And right, absolutely. Yeah, it didn't pay off. Uh, the other, I think, big, what a lot of people thought was an upset this year, which I don't, I, I kind of saw it coming, was the best documentary category. Right, uh, right, right, right. 20 Feet from Stardom winning instead of The Act of Killing. Obviously, I think The, the <laughs> Act of Killing is a really phenomenal uh, kind of, um, I always I hesitate to use the word important when when talking about any movie. Right, right. But like right. It, it's it's the I've never seen a movie a movie, especially not a, a nonfiction film, to tackle material like this in the way that this film does. So I'm really glad that the act of killing exists and that it is so bold. And Twenty Feet from Stardom is is it's you know it's it's a very kind of <laughs> the way it's structured is very like this is how a documentary like this goes, and the story Definitely. is you know. It's 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 fine. It's it's interesting, certainly. If you've uh, it, as the kind of goes along, it's about uh, backup singers, basically. Right, right. Yeah, um, no, no. I, I we actually yeah. reviewed it, uh, or I reviewed. Oh, it. that's right. Yes. Um, um, and I, and what's funny about that documentary is that I agree. Um, but I was so taken by the, um, the character, the characters, or the you know the real people in the movie, um, and also with the fact that I hadn't heard of them, and then seeing their their. Um, sort of their uh, influence on every single piece of pop culture from television yeah. to movies to music in the past, like, 100 years or 50 years or whatever uh, is all due to these people who we, you know, these sort of unsung heroes. Um, like, it, it was crazy. I don't know if you remember the Waters family in that movie, um, the, the family sitting around the table, and they just constantly break out into song perfectly, and it's all these songs that you, oh my God, they, they, they were the ones who, who did that. And of course, why would you know that? You know, if it's Disney, Disney takes the credit. Um, yeah. Nobody knows who sings the opening song in Lion King, but apparently it was the water, so. <laughs> yeah, the, and that film, after a while, it gets to the point where you just like, you can't even believe that what they're saying is just all these songs that are, it's not just like the songs that were popular. It's songs that you still know now. Absolutely. And it's and song you know songs that are a part of just our kind of cultural collective consciousness, and not that they were not just that they were part of that one thing and we didn't know about it, but that they were also part of all these other things that we didn't know about, and that it's the same people. Absolutely. I think that's it was re- I thought that was really kind of extraordinary. And obviously, it's, if you find that out, you're going to want to make a documentary about it. Right. Right, and I like I said, I, I thought it was a well-made documentary, well-made documentary, if not, um, but perhaps not a brilliant documentary. Um, a lot like the Sixto Rodriguez movie, and I would say even like Blackfish, which is just very on point and does its does its job well, but doesn't change the game like say Exit Through the Gift Shop. But yeah. 
But I would say, um, I think the reason that it won, and, and I, so you brought this up, Active Killing, um, I think the reason that this one is, not only does the Academy like movies about pop culture and, and film, but I think they also, it. this might have had a different outcome had this been released in, uh, or had this uh, this award ceremony been in another country, um, because this is about, this is this movie is very American, and it, yeah, I think, that's true. I think for the Oscars, um, it makes sense for that to win because it's very important to Amer specifically American pop culture, not just pop culture in general. Um, so I, I, I understand why it won um, in that respect. Uh, whereas Active Killing, as with many foreign issues in America, sort of gets pushed to the side. I, I do understand that. I, although, I, I don't know if I condone it, but I do understand why I think it won. Yeah, it's well. I mean, if you and if you look at the, even the other films nominated, the square is about right. uh, Egypt and um, Dirty Wars, also, as also uh, mostly set in the Middle East. Right. Cutie and the Boxer is uh, uh, about. I didn't see it, but it's about a Japanese couple, right? I believe. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Uh, right. So it's yeah. It, now that you mention that, it is interesting that it's um, it is the one of the film about American pop culture that was really that really dominated and that's and you're right the academy love if nothing else they love movies about movies right which is which maybe kind of wonder why uh, saving mr banks didn't do so well yeah that's a good point yeah no it didn't do well at all did it <laughs> yeah I, see, I think people kind of expected it just because of the subject matter to to kind of sneak in there and, and uh, get a, a lot of nominations before it even came out but yeah what i think best original score and that's it yeah, um, yeah, yeah. No, it it didn't it didn't um, it didn't do too well. And and I but I think that um, this this year it seemed to me that the Academy sort of had it out for Disney, which might sound weird. Even though Frozen hmm. won, um, you know, Pixar didn't even get a nomination, uh, which I was sort of surprised considering um, I didn't think Monsters University was brilliant, but I certainly thought it was better than The Croods, and it was you know what I mean. Like it, there was no reason for it <laughs> not did. to be nominated. I really like Monsters University. Yeah, no, exactly. It was it was it was a, it was a solid film, and I am just surprised it didn't it didn't get nominated. But that didn't get even get nominated. The Disney short didn't win um, for uh, best animated short. Uh, and then aside from Frozen, which I really didn't see how else that could have gone. Um, yeah, they seem to perhaps just maybe it was a that Saving Mr. Banks was uh, was a predominantly Disney film. Yeah, Frozen is is I, I think that category is interesting because. Um, there's uh, five films nominated and it really kind of felt like they were trying to pad the field in a lot of ways. Right, right, you right. Wouldn't, you wouldn't fit. There's really no reason why Despicable Me 2 should, should be nominated for Best Animated Feature Film. Absolutely uh, not. And I would, I would argue the same for The Croods. I, I feel like the only two movies that really, I didn't get to see it, but um, from, from what I understand, um, I would say that Frozen and, and what is it, Ernest and Celestine, Mm-hmm. Those, to me, just on a cursory glance, seemed like the only ones that were really uh, in contention. I, I was really surprised that Despicable Me Two got nominated, um, especially when I I don't even believe that Despicable Me One was even nominated, which I, I thought was a, a much better film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think if there was going to be a um, uh, an upset, it would have been with For the Wind Rises. If for no other reason than that was that's ah, right, it's, yes. be, it's supposedly Miyazaki's final film and now he's retiring. Obviously, he's been such a, a force in the world of animation uh, for many years. Absolutely. So if, I think maybe in any other year, it would have been The Wind Rises without a doubt. But Frozen, it was, you know, such kind of a <laughs> Frozen became is such a big thing. Everybody knows Frozen and has seen it. And it's just made up. It just crossed a billion dollars at the worldwide box office. Wow. Yeah. So, well, I mean, to be fair, Despicable Me 2 is the second highest grossing universal film of all time. Or maybe it's third. So, oh, wow. so to be fair, the for some reason and, you know, with the whole minion, the merchandising and everything, I think Despicable Me, if Despicable Me 2 had been Despicable Me, Despicable Me One. I would have, I would have really been behind it. And I think that's the thing is that since Despicable Me One came out, people were like, "Oh, it's not Pixar, it's not DreamWorks. I'm not really gonna see it." And then over time, it started picking up popularity and in, in home sales and things like that. Um, that by the time Despicable Me Two came out and there was all this hype for it, um, that's what really drove that. But I think it's riding the success of its predecessor, and so, oh yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, so maybe it was a recompense for the first one, but then it's the same with Monsters. Uh, Monsters Inc. didn't win uh, Best <laughs> Picture when it when it came out, and um, it, that category was kind of 
invented because of Pixar's winning streak up to that point, and it lost to Shrek. Exactly. Well, <laughs> and and actually, I it, that was a very tough year, two thousand one, I believe, right? Was that two thousand one? Yeah. Yeah. So it was a really tough year, and so, but I thought maybe they'd be like, oh well, you know, Monsters Inc. didn't win, so we'll give Monsters University the nomination, or I don't know, but I guess mm. that. It, it part of me maybe thinks that Disney was focusing all their marketing uh, and their foreign consideration stuff on Frozen, and um, may, and maybe Monsters University kind of got the short end of the stick. Perhaps maybe they didn't want to split it three ways, you know, because they yeah, they're also true. distributing um, The Wind Rises. So. That's right, they are. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I was before the uh, before the nominations came out, I was sure Monsters University would get in there, and so I said. Um, I was I was going to write an article. Of course, this turned out not to be the case uh, about the sort of the three-headed um, Hydra of Disney and how they've put three horses into one race, and you know, so they're bound to win at least um, in in the animation category. And they did without um, turns out without yeah. uh, Monsters University. So, and someone I saw pointed out this is you wouldn't think this. This is the first uh, Disney animated movie, not Pixar, to win Best Animated Feature. Um, Oh right, yeah. They've never and like when you when you hear that, you know you even even though in your head you might kind of realize that because the category hasn't been around for very long, it is kind of still shocking to hear. It's like wow, they your Disney you would think would be so you know so dominant in that category, but no, it's always been it's always been Pixar. It's always been Pixar. Um, even Beauty and the Beast didn't win. Uh, the category wasn't around then. It was nominated for uh, Best Picture. It was nominated for Best Picture, right, right, right. Yeah. Okay. That was the year of um, The Silence of the Lambs, I think. Right, so it was a tough... But still, I mean... Uh, and I actually, you know, I actually think... I, I know you, you had problems with Frozen. I actually think in a less competitive year uh, for Best Picture that Frozen might have actually uh, snuck into that category as well. I um, think it's possible, yeah. Um, so, but, I, you know, this year was so crazy. So many uh, different movies came out. I mean, there were whole bunch of movies people were expecting to see i was expecting to see um blackfish in the documentary category yeah that was a big uh, surprise i couldn't believe that and i was i was also expecting movies like mud uh you know to show up in the in the best picture category and they just you know too many yeah too many I, out there uh, yeah i think especially with movies like mud is when they come out so early in the year and they just kind of get um they're just forgotten by the time the nominations I come think out that's it yeah like, the earliest released film of the best picture nominees would have been what like gravity and that came out in october right exactly i mean there's so, the, most of them came out and, but i mean that's oscar that's when people know yeah. that they oscar and that's why i'm thinking about the lego movie for next year it's we'll see how many but this yeah. year's supposed to be huge for animation i mean enormous the yeah. the song of the sea the secret of kells uh, director's uh, new film um the prequel to triplets of belleville is coming out uh, you know, there's all these crazy films are coming out this year, and and I think that um, releasing the Lego Movie now was smart financially because there's no com- you know competition. But it's I don't paid know. off clearly, yeah. Exactly, but I don't know that it's gonna it's gonna work out for next year for the uh, for the Oscars. We'll see if people still. I could see it. them uh, maybe doing like a targeted re-release that around the end of next year because it'll 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 have been on D- out of DVD for so long, and it'll have been out of theaters. Absolutely, uh, and and they're already announced. They already announced you know a whole bunch of these Lego spin-off movies now. Um, yeah. to capitalize on the uh, on that popularity so you know I'm, I'm sure it'll they'll figure out a way to keep it up in people's minds but I you know I, th- I think it's an interesting choice to release it so early I think if nothing else uh, everything is awesome is a strong contender for best original song next year oh yes yeah okay. I think that's yeah. definitely true um, and uh, so I think uh, so you mentioned two upsets I think the other upset would definitely be um, I think there is another one that was to me the most surprising maybe it wasn't to other people but um when matthew mcconaughey took the uh the lead actor yeah um i really was not expecting that at all you know i think i had been hearing that for a while that he was kind of the front runner and i think it really could have i wouldn't have been surprised to see it go to any of the nominees i think it was a very it was weird it was a year that was kind of non-competitive in how competitive it was like it's there really wasn't a really, really clear front runner. Oh, absolutely um, not. Yeah, I think like I, you, I don't think anyone would have been surprised to see it go to Leonardo DiCaprio, or uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor, or uh, Bruce Dern. They all had a really strong um, uh, kind of uh, aspects uh, that uh, traditionally win Oscars for right. people. 
Absolutely. You know, you had you know had Bruce Stern, who I don't think has ever won, um, and so and this might be one of the last performances. I don't know how long he's planning on continuing his acting career. So like there was that. Um, you had uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor in the in you know in Twelve Years a Slave, which went on to win Best Picture. But that was you know those those tend to get um, uh, a lot of attention. And then uh, Leonardo DiCaprio gave, as far as I can tell, the best performance I've ever seen him give. So I agree. I think um, looking back on it, I didn't react this way immediately after seeing the film. But yeah, if if you think about it, I think that was probably my favorite performance of his. I just all the way through consistently engaging and uh, really entertaining. Absolutely. Think, and for three hours. I mean, that's not, that's yeah. no joke. I think the best performance of the five is, is without a doubt, uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor really just um, tremendously soulful and, and, and just the, the depth of humanity, just in, even in his face without even saying anything, it is really something else. Um, but if, but Matthew McConaughey, he did he lost a lot of weight and he, um, right, right. and he, so it's that's all it, he really needed, needed to do. That's how it was. <clears throat> I think there's something to the method acting uh, aspect of it. I was just honestly coming into this, I was not. I I know that a lot of uh, I think Scott Feinberg had 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 predicted this, and and plenty of the other prognosticators had certainly assumed that uh, um, that that the these two awards the supporting actor as well went to Jared Leto um and and this would go to Matthew McConaughey but I I just was not seeing it and then it I was really surprised at how it panned out yeah especially since McConaughey's kind of his career renaissance as it were it's it only started really recently absolutely so normally you know you would think that he would have to, it would have to be a couple of years of doing these really uh dramatic performances for him to finally get recognized um but no, right, right off the bat, pretty much. Absolutely. I mean, what he's in 2012. He was in uh, a couple of movies. I think maybe Bernie was one of his first like really big turnarounds. The Lincoln and, Lincoln and Lawyer. Magic Mike, I remember. Yeah. Magic Mike, Killer Joe, um, and there was another one that I'm I'm forgetting. And then and then of course Mud, and then yeah. now he's on TV uh, in True Detectives, which I, just, I think True Detective might have might have helped him out a lot actually because he's now he's on TV every week. Since around the time nominations were announced, doing another really stellar performance. Absolutely, I mean, he's. I think he probably. I, I. I don't. I don't know what his behind the scenes story is, but I feel like he switched agents or something because whoever's running his show now really knows what they're doing. Yeah, um, absolutely. I think uh, Richard Roper uh, said during the Oscars, he said for a while there, I thought Matthew McConaughey was going to waste his career on rom coms. So glad I was wrong, and it's true. I mean, he. He really keep. I. I can't say that I saw him and said, "Oh wow, if only he stopped doing rom-coms, he would be this amazing actor." Um, but I'm I'm glad that I was sort of proved wrong on that front. Um, you know. Yeah. If if you even look at I'm looking at his Wikipedia page and it's just like <laughs> every single year it's like he does Failure to Launch, Failure to Launch, yeah, Fool's Gold, and then Ghosts of Girlfriends Past, and then two years he does nothing, and then he comes back with Bernie. And right. then he does, and then there's Killer Joe and and Magic Mike, and and, and all of a sudden he's he's back, and he's getting he's like he, he tons of awards nominations for all these roles. Absolutely, yeah. No, it's it's a, it was a, it's a strange renaissance, but I'm really happy to see it. I really like him, and I know you uh, you're not <laughs> you're not a fan of Dallas Buyers Club, but no, not that much. <laughs> but but I thought he was fantastic in it. I thought he really did a, an excellent job. So I don't I don't begrudge him the award. I'm just surprised that. Out of all of them, that was what won. Um, no, yeah, I thought he. I also thought he was. Uh, he was very good. He was one of. He was one of the things I liked about the movie. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so yeah, it's yeah. I, I'm I'm perfectly all right with that. And I think you know that's actually I would say that I think for the entire, <laughs> almost all the categories is like, even if it's not, what I think of the five deserved it. I'm happy for it. You know. Right. I'm, right unhappy that that won um i really can't think of any that um i really think it i really think it should have gone to something else and that or there's the winner isn't worthy in comparison to another one i think it it was a really just across the board pretty good uh choices absolutely um i i gotta say the one thing that i'm i i didn't realize until i got to the awards and i had forgotten completely uh Hoyt von Hoytema won um 
was not nominated for cinematography, uh, although um, her was nominated for um, art direction, I believe. Yeah. Uh, and I think that that is a missed opportunity. I thought that, you know, I was happy with the cinematography and gravity, and I think that, but I think that, and I and I, I don't disagree with your assessment that um, I think it was you who said that um, you can you can do cinematography even if it's digital. You know, even in an animated movie, in fact, you could do cinematography. Um, but and so I agree with that. But I think that the real the immersion and things like that did were due to things like sound editing and other aspects that really immerse you in the film, and that the cinematography and, and gravity um, wasn't as good as uh, as some other um, films. Particularly, I think um, I think her which I enjoyed but didn't love, but I thought the cinematography was was really solid. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think um, it's, I think it is, it didn't get the credit it deserved in the cinematography, but if you look at the nominees for Best Cinematography, it's clear that there was a certain kind of look that the Academy really liked this year. All these films have the exact same color palette, you know, to, to the point that one of them, Nebraska, is literally in black and white. Right, right, right. It's very you know, muted. Inside and... Davis and Prisoners and uh, The Grandmaster, they're, they all look really similar. Right. They're, they're very um, desaturated. Even, even Gravity is, it's the black expanse of space the, right. the entire time. Exactly. Yeah, no, and I, I guess, I guess the bright reds and blues and things in uh, uh, her didn't really match that, but he's he's rapidly become my favorite cinematographer uh hoyt van hoytema after um uh he was the the dp on tinker taylor and on let the right one in and then her uh so he sort of came out of nowhere and is just breathtaking so for me i was disappointed not to see him on there but you know hold out hope right just like all yeah. those deacons fans <laughs> well kobe he's he's the cinematographer on uh christopher nolan's new film right so yes i would I would not be surprised to see him up for it next year. I wouldn't be surprised to see him up for it. I mean, I, I'll have to look at his history to see how many times he's been nominated, but I wouldn't be surprised if he wins one in short order. I mean, it looks like he's just sort of started, so he's got yeah. a long road ahead of him. He actually, Yeah, it's, he actually worked... He was the cinematographer on The Fighter, too. Oh, yes. Yep, yep. So it's uh, he might have been nominated for that. I know that was popular with the Academy that year. So, yeah, he's uh, he, he is kind of um, starting to gain more recognition, and especially since... Uh, Christopher Nolan's new film Interstellar comes out in Oscar season. Um, right. Smart choice by him, I think. Absolutely. Considering yeah. his track record um, <laughs> with the Academy. I would, yeah, I, I think he has a, would have a good shot. Now, did you, speaking of Christopher Nolan and the Academy, did you find it weird um, when they did the, the heroes, um, that weird heroes montage? Yeah, just in general. I feel like the Academy really wants to have like a theme every year with that, and I don't know why. Like, <laughs> last year it was it was like a celebration of musicals. And right. I think that was really what it was was a celebration of the movie Chicago. Um, well, I think that was McFarland partially though, because he's obsessed with musicals yeah. um, and singing. So. And I guess the the producers of the show last year were also the producers of Chicago. So when they had a whole big thing, I, I think they really just wanted to talk about <laughs> that movie they did. Right, right, right. <laughs> 10 years ago. So yeah, the idea of like, we're doing, the other thing is with the, with the montage is like, we're doing it about heroes, but there was no real like cohesion. No, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it was kind of like, it wasn't about heroes so much as it was about protagonists and almost every movie <laughs> has a protagonist. <laughs> So the point of there was no real there's no real point in doing a montage of just like here are a bunch of movies that everyone's seen and here are the main characters. <laughs> Absolutely, especially considering the fact that and I thought this was the part that bothered me is you know fine there's no cohesion but 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 more important to me is that superhero movies are so rarely recognized by the Academy and certainly they don't win things. Yeah. So I was like, really, you're gonna put up Marvel movies? How many Marvel movies have won anything? Honestly, I mean, I'm not, I'm not complaining, but why, you know, why poke, it's like poking a stick in the eye of like all the people who put effort into those films. So, yeah, um, it was just a weird, especially, in, it's like, I just don't understand coming from the, the, the perspective of the Academy putting together this ceremony, why, what the purpose is, because what's the, what's the big joke about the Academy Awards every year? It's how long they are. I right, think right. Know, this ceremony was how it was like, what, three and a half hours? It went forever. I don't yeah. think anyone would be complaining if they just had people come out and read the nominees and then it was over. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's what, 
that's what people watch for. People don't watch like, oh, you know, I hope they get through the all these awards so that I can watch the montages. Right. Exactly. <laughs> well, you don't want to see the montages. Although I will say the uh, the memoriam one is always very big and important, and I thought it was quite good this year. But oftentimes, I yes, I think that those 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 montages are are just filler and there wasn't i have nothing i think ellen degeneres is awesome funny i our senses of humor are perfectly in sync but um like half of the things that happen in between events at that were just time wasters there was no real point to them yeah i don't Um, yeah it it was like when i when you think back to what happened like what happened at this year's oscars in terms of the ceremony what happened I, I can't think of anything really. It's like she ordered pizza for everyone, and all right, that was yeah. funny. But it took forever every time they returned to that thing, and it was just that took forever. The selfie was a was a whole ordeal. The, yeah, um, which again, it's cute, but like the point of those things is you know let's let's like add a little interstitial material so that we can connect it to the next thing and you know move on. But they just I don't know. It felt like it went on too long, yeah. and they totally missed their mark by like an hour or so. Um, oh yeah and it's funny if you look back at um if you on wikipedia they have the list of all the ceremonies and how long they were Mm -hmm. the first oscars was 15 minutes long (laughs) because that's all they all they did is like some guy i guess came out in front of a podium and just read all the winners and that was it they didn't have to do you know all this whatever but it's it's so people will watch really right 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 um yeah, and I, I I think that it's partially that it's partially ads, you know, ad revenue they have to generate, um, and I think there's a lot of moving parts, but I don't know, it just sort of bothered me um, how long it took because there's really no need for it, and I have to say, I again, I like Ellen DeGeneres a lot, um, but last year it was kind of personally fun, I, and I know that we I think we agreed that it was surprisingly not too bad coming from Seth MacFarlane. Yeah. Um, but it was kind of fun sitting there waiting to see who was going to offend, if he was going to offend us as viewers, uh, or if he was just going to be funny. Uh, and like, sort of, it was a gamble every time they took a break from announcing awards to see what you know he was going to do next. Whereas here, you were like, oh, I'm sure she's going to do something else that's very charming. Um, yeah. But it just didn't have an edge to it, so I thought that it, was- that's exactly it. Yeah, it's like with last year's ceremony, whether or not it was actually funny, there was at least kind of <laughs> it was interesting. Like right. he, at least he was kind of doing something. Right. He was doing something that you don't usually do at the at, at the Oscars and you know in terms of his his humor whereas you know Alan it was like the, the opening monologue like it's funny I laughed um but <laughs> it's he, what else is there there's there isn't anything else there it's just like okay and now we're done <laughs> exactly and and I think that that's that's important in helping you you know I don't remember how long last year's was but I think that's important that I don't remember how long it was um <laughs> because that's that's part of it um the uh the pacing sort of is thrown off when you when you have a lot of filler um that doesn't really go anywhere uh but moving on to there were two there were two small controversies um that i want to just get to really quick before we had to um uh, before we finish up Mm -hmm. and uh the first was i don't know if you heard about this but apparently there is a um a little bit of a rift between john ridley and steve mcqueen did you hear about that yeah, I, I I heard people kind of point out that they didn't thank each other uh, when they accepted uh, the awards that they both won, and yeah, it, it, it is kind of strange. I I, I um, it is you know kind of the most passive aggressive thing you can do if you're in a feud with someone is not thank them at right. the Oscars. Um, so yeah, I wasn't really sure if if anything was was going on there what what was yeah yeah no apparently they um there was this big um sort of back and forth with them so i'm going to probably botch this a little bit but john ridley is apparently not um he pays dues to the writers guilds but he's not like a card carrying member so he can do things uh-huh. on spec or something like that and so that's what he did for 12 years a slave and he sort of has a weird history with different um with different uh, directors and sort of their weird back and forth on things he's written and then who gets credit, you know, story by versus who wrote the script. Um, So, and there's this weird gif, if you get a chance to look it up, of Steve McQueen really, like, clapping with his fingers outstretched and it doesn't look (laughs) like they're they're connecting. Yeah, and he's, like, fake clapping 
for um for Ridley when he wins and they both don't mention each other and um they tried to keep it quiet apparently during the whole lead up to the awards so they didn't taint their chances um but of course at the Oscars you've already won so nobody yeah. cares and apparently there's some bad blood there so I thought that was hmm. strange and I totally missed it at the time I didn't even you know because I you know I'm not paying attention to individual feuds but apparently that's a that's a little bit of a sore spot for them um and then the other big thing is uh, apparently Jared Leto, and I did not know this, but um, <laughs> the trans the transgender community has gotten really uh, was really irritated when he won. Yes, um, and that's actually uh, well, that's something I, I pointed out. I think I think I pointed this out briefly, and just in my review of the film, um, there was I think kind of uh, the, the, people were upset because. Uh, this is a uh, the role he plays. Rayon is a uh, transgender woman, right? And they cast a straight man, right, <laughs> in right. the role. And there are actual transgender people who are actors who probably uh, are looking for work who didn't get who they could have cast and, and didn't. Um, well, I think it's yeah. I think it's a twofold thing. I think it's you could have cast a transgender person, but more importantly. And this is something that, you know, it's difficult and it's difficult for a lot of people to understand or sort of come to grips with, you know, especially if you're cisgendered uh, and you haven't really been part of this community. Um, but understanding that people identify as male or identify as female um, who are transgender don't feel that they were ever a different gender. Um, so so the idea that they cast a man um, for them, I guess, was insulting as opposed to... so. It would have been obviously best if they can't cast a transgender woman, but even just casting a woman would have been an improvement because that woman would be she identifies as a woman, so it's a there's no there's no like was a man uh, sort of rhetoric which has been a contentious issue issue between the transgender community and I would say the greater community. So I, I thought that was that was one part of it, and the other part of it was Rayon. So Rayon's a, a composite character of a whole bunch of different people apparently, um, in that movie. And I think that was uh, something that I could tell instantly. And I could tell certainly because of the scenes, you know, like the supermarket scene and scenes like that that seemed sort of out of nowhere. Um, yeah. I was like, this didn't really happen. There's no way this happened. Um, <laughs> and it turns out it didn't happen because Rayan's not a real character. And so um, because uh, she, was a Ray she, uh, she was a composite character, you had this problem of... Um, uh, People said there were a lot of stereotypes and things that were made up um, that are that were offensive, um, which I think is arguable in that what they did is they created this character that um, perhaps is a, a composite character and is uh, does is a stereotype in, in in some ways, but not that there aren't people who don't exhibit those traits. So I think that's more arguable. But I think the bigger problem was. Um, the fact that, you know, he, the, or what a lot of people had a problem with was that Jared Leto, when he got to the stage and accepted his award, he, like, didn't really acknowledge the transgender community or really say anything about transgender anything, which yeah, is strange. I, yeah, I think, like, I can definitely see, you know, I think what it also, what it does come back to is um, that, and I, a lot of people maybe don't know this, uh, Ron Woodruff, who's the Matthew McConaughey character, in real life, was bisexual. Right, right, yeah, that was another so thing. So the film constructed this narrative where he is very, ex like, extremely homophobic and right. then becomes mostly not. Right. Um, and I, you know, I have problems with how that arc works in the movie, but whatever. But, yeah, so the, I think the idea that they have this um, character who is, who is, you know, they make into a homophobic person for the sake of adding a narrative adding that very cliche narrative where it didn't exist in real life is not only a disservice to that real person, but it then just in the way they um, have to uh, dramatize it becomes a disservice to uh, the L LGBT community. And especially since it's a, you know, this is a movie about the AIDS crisis, which is a, it, it, which primarily uh, affected gay men and it's about a straight guy. <laughs> right. Well, you know, I think that, that that's a separate issue, the that it was about a straight guy, but I think that it is relevant that you that you bring that up about him being bisexual. Um 
I actually, throughout the whole movie, I was really, I was irritated by those scenes that felt synthetic, like the supermarket scene. Um, and I got really irritated because as the movie was going on, I was actually pretty convinced that there was going to be some scene where he turns out to be bisexual or something like that. And it wasn't so much that I, I of course, I don't have a problem with that uh, in and of itself, but the arc for me that for you it was already him becoming like not a homophobe anymore or not a you know not transphobic or not whatever um for me it would have been going so far in that direction that somehow all of a sudden he's bisexual which would have come out of nowhere and shown a poor understanding of you know sexual orientation um yeah. and just it would have been really out of left field but it's funny that i got that vibe from the movie that the whole time i'm like sort of expecting them to you know that him and some other character whoever it ends up being will end up in a relationship um you know some a male character or maybe uh, a trans character but of course that doesn't happen but i did get that vibe so i wonder if in an earlier version of the the script they did keep that aspect to it and they just decided it was more dramatic i think it's possible especially it's interesting because even after you know he ostensibly becomes not uh, prejudiced and bigoted anymore. Right. He's still kind of awful. <laughs> oh, right. In a lot of ways. So, and I think people kind of you know, the other characters are kind of willing to accept it because I guess you know uh, his actions say otherwise. But I, th- I mean, I think you're right. Maybe that is kind of a remnant of another uh, an earlier draft where he, where they have they have to kind of course correct way to the other side of things. Right, right, exactly. And I, I think that, that might have been part of it. Um, but I will say, just as a final thought on the film, um, that it just on a mo- much more basic level, for me, I came out of that movie um, I, with a completely different mindset that I think a lot of other people did, uh, which I, I was... I, the transgender thing was... And this is probably a product of me... Uh, living in the Pioneer Valley for four years, um, the transgender and and uh, orientation and and all of these things to me were totally secondary to the plot. For me, for me, I was far more interested in the uh, back and forth between um, the FDA and Woodruff and that whole dynamic. And maybe that's the scientist in me, but I was way more interested in, in that sort of dynamic and and the criticism that the movie makes of. Um, of the FDA and the way they, they allow drugs through and the amount of money that gets funneled through the government that prevents drugs that are simple, cheap, and effective um, from getting through because certain companies have monopolies on these things. And I, for me, that was what the movie was about. So when this all this dialogue started came up, I sort of went, oh, I guess that is also part of it. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Uh, well, especially since what, one of my criticisms of the film is that it was it's kind of unfocused, is that it does, there is some, you know, it spends some time on the issues with the FDA, but then there's also all this other stuff, and it doesn't really, um, for you, it, it it did have that focus, but for me, I always felt like it didn't really pick a thing to be about. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. It's, it's just funny that this is what, you know, people sort of picked up on it, and I, I think it was important to, you know, put this in, the, like, it's, you couldn't, you can't do something about the AIDS crisis in the 80s and not talk about the trans community or the gay community obviously um so that had to be a part of it i guess they sort of didn't know what they wanted to do with his character and push it to that you know what i mean um, yeah but uh that was sort of a, a side uh, little detour on <laughs> on dallas <laughs> buyers club but i guess getting back to the oscars one last thing and then you know if you have any remaining thoughts um did you have a favorite moment of the night uh, my favorite moment of the night was when um Spike Jones won for best original screenplay because I think that was really the final nail in American Hustle's coffin. Because <laughs> um, I was really like, I had predicted, like I said earlier, I had predicted American Hustle would win in several other categories, right. but that was the one I was positive it was going to win, even though I, I didn't think it should have. Uh, be, just because when it, because it was popular enough to get ten nominations, I kind of assumed that it was popular enough to win most of them, and. I kind of I imagined that it, it and her were the strongest competitors, and her maybe was too weird or too kind of new for a lot of uh, the academy, which is primarily old guys. Right, right, um, right. 
so I was I was really kind of sure that 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 it was going to be American Hustle, and when it wasn't, I was very very happy. Well, not only was it not American Hustle, but it was her, which you really really yeah. liked. So that's it again. Of all the films for it to be other than American Hustle, it was the one that I really liked. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I, I think that was a, it was a surprising moment too, because I wasn't necessarily expecting that. Um, but, but then it won. And I think that that's, uh, it was an interesting moment for, especially I'm sure the American hustle, uh, crew was, was sort of, um, took the wind out of their sails at that point And, uh, they probably figured, well, I guess we're, we're not really in the running this year. Yeah. If you, um, especially if after that, when they were announcing best director, I kind of, I was looking at, uh, David O. Russell's little. Uh, screen and he looked very unhappy <laughs> i don't know if, if someone has gone back and and um and taken uh, pictures of of just his reactions but he was not he was kind of clearly irritated that his film won nothing yeah well i mean i think it's i think it's one thing to 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 not get nominated for anything um you know you can complain and then it'll sort of go away and then the oscars come along um but to get nominated for 10 things and not win one um, as much as I was not really a very big fan at all of American Hustle, I, I can see the irritation as well, um, that nobody in your whole crew managed to, to score a, a win. Um, but you know, it was all things being equal, um, feelings aside about American Hustle, this was a good year to lose. That's true. Um, well, the thing about nominations is of course, is that, um, when you get a nomination that's voted on by all the people in that branch. So uh, when he was nominated for uh, original screenplay, that was all the writers in the Academy deciding that his was one of the five best of the year. Right. So like, you know, even if you don't win, obviously that's disappointing, but you should, I think, still be happy that all of your peers thought you were one of the best. Right. Exactly. So I, and yeah, exactly. A nomination is, is certainly something. And I, I think that that's something that, um, that's and and I, I know that you know in marketing they'll continue to use that uh, sort of thing to to promote it you know even if it was just nominated and didn't win um, but the uh, so and for me I, I think uh, my favorite moment of the night had nothing to do with an award of course um, because I'm weird like that but um, I loved seeing Jim Carrey on stage uh, at the Oscars because I I'm a huge huge fan of his and uh, not only that, but the whole time he was on stage, I was sitting there saying to myself, because I, I was a huge fan of his stand-up, I was a fan of his performances in movies and stuff, but when he did stand-up, he was an impressionist that was like one of his big things. And one of the impressions he always used to do a long, long time ago, back when Bruce Dern was, um, you know, sort of in the public consciousness, was a Bruce Dern impression. And so when he comes out on stage... I was like, oh my God, he has got to do a Bruce Stern impression to Bruce Dern. And then he did it and it just was dead silent and nobody was like laughing, but I'm sitting there on my couch, just, I was on the floor. I was so happy that he, like he had the balls to do that at the Oscars to Bruce Dern, who's like up for best actor. Um, and I don't know, for me, I just found that moment, moment absolutely hilarious and, uh, yeah. and exactly what I was looking for. Uh, although I'm, I know a lot of people thought it was a very odd uh, thing to do, I knew why he did it. It was from his, his past, you know. Oh no! Uh, yes, but so one other moment that I really did like was Bill Murray um, giving tribute to Harold oh, yeah. Ramis when announcing the nominees for whatever category it does. I thought that was a really, really sweet moment. It was really sweet, and um, you know, I was I was looking up, uh, um, I was following Peter Scriata from from um, from Slash Film. And he was talking about uh, critics and and whether or not they had been acknowledged in the memoriam section of um, of of the Oscars uh, in the past. And apparently, Gene Siskel had not been. I don't know if you saw this, but Gene Siskel mm. had not been uh, put into the, uh, the 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 slideshow or the memoriam segment because he wasn't a member of the Academy or something. There was some excuse, and so Whoopi Goldberg that year apparently mentioned him the same way that Bill Murray mentioned, uh, Harold Ramis, um, mm -hmm. just, she was like, I don't care. You, you can't not mention, you know, somebody that important passing yeah. away. And so I thought that was really cool. So I'm, I'm glad that they're willing to sort of stick it to the, uh, to the Academy. Cause <laughs> these are important things. I mean, it's not, they're not just, uh, you know, they're not just trying to be combative, but you know, I think it was important too. 
and also giving uh, Sarah Jones, the uh, uh, camera assistant who uh, was killed on set, I think, uh, a week or two ago. Right. Uh, not They didn't uh, put her in the in memoriam, but um, they put a little thing right afterwards uh, at the bottom of the screen, which, you know, if, if I know there were some people who were kind of upset that um, they were, you know, oh, that's that what that, that's all you can do is just a little thing. But on the other hand, like it, it's uh, they they weren't obligated to they, do anything, so it was it was they weren't was, obligated, was and also it you know it was it was very recently you know um, uh, uh, Renee was just died the the director uh, the French director um, yeah just died in uh, was it uh, Alan Renee uh, and I believe that uh, you know I'm sure he would have been included as well in the uh, memoriam so maybe he will be next year, but of course. You know, when things happen so soon, those presentations are made long in advance. That's, yeah, um, so that's, that's what it is, ultimately. I think that was part of it. Um, the one other thing I just want to mention before we, we close is, what what was going on with um, with John Travolta? <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, um, apparently, <laughs> apparently he's dyslexic. Right. Um, which, you know, if that's what it was, then fine. But you would think that... Um, but he's he an would... actor. He, he reads scripts for a living. Yeah, you would think he would know before going out um, just the name uh, of the person he was introducing. And right. Yeah, it's like it's not like this is his first time ever at the Oscars. It's not so, his first time at the Oscars. This is his job, and uh, they do a dress rehearsal. So yeah, I'm, I'm it, kind yeah, of it was confused. it was a weird moment that 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 the internet promptly drove right into the ground. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I'm just waking up. Yeah. I when it happened, I just I didn't even process it. Um, but then, you know, I saw Twitter and I saw these people going, what did he just say? What is he talking about? Who's coming on stage? Uh, and then it, you know, it sort of became more clear and I, I, I listened to it again. It was, an, it was an odd moment, but I think that it was, it was little moments like that that sort of made this a little bit more memorable than it would have been otherwise because it was a fairly standard, uh, Oscar ceremony. Yeah. I think it was, it's kind of telling that that's the one moment that stuck, <laughs> you know, it's, Absolutely. It's John Travolta messing up a name uh, of everything that happened in the what, three and a half hours. Exactly. Exactly. And, um, you know, I, I would say that, that the three and a half, the fact that the three and a half uh, hour long Oscars uh, featured very few strong moments and that even Ellen DeGeneres couldn't really keep it, keep up the excitement for that amount of time should just be further evidence for why Leonardo DiCaprio should have won best actor. <laughs> three hours yeah, is a long more time. People were, more people were talking about him. <laughs> exactly. Um, but anyway, all right. Well, thank you so much for joining me, and yeah, uh, I uh, look forward to doing this again uh, next year. Yep, same right, here. Sounds good.